0: Welcome to the show, Gold Squadron Gaze. It's the podcast where Charles goes rogue and takes over the podcast because Bradley was busy doing something else, so Charles is going to take over and talk about Legends books he likes a lot. I'm your host, Charles Rogers, and with me is a guest. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: (laughs) Gold Leader reporting in. It's Andy, (laughs) aka a one-hat town. Glad to be back on my favorite Star Wars podcast.
0: Aww. Yep, Andy is joining us from Force Friends Rewatch, and also Good Neighbors. Is that one still going on? I think you guys went on a new season.
1: Yep, Good Neighbors is about 30 episodes into our second campaign. We're an actual Play Monster of the Week podcast. Uh, It's really good, you should listen to it. And uh, Ending Pending is my third podcast.
0: Yes, yes, as part of the Where They May radio network,
1: if I'm recalling correctly. Hell yeah, you got your plugs down. I remember
0: things, I remember things. I remember other people's plugs really well. That's the thing I've discovered about myself is I listen to so many podcast episodes of other people, I can do other people's plugs from memory. Wrong Bradley it. hates it. He absolutely <laughs> despises it. Uh, speaking of Bradley, he's not here for a couple of weeks. He will be back when he finishes Brotherhood, but for a couple of weeks, Bradley is is taking a step back. Uh, so I'm gonna be asking some, some people to join me and we're gonna talk about some Legends books. And I could think of no better book to start with, than the 2005 novel, Star Wars Revenge of the
1: Sith. You mean the best Star Wars book The ever best Star written. Wars
0: book! The book that changed my life, <laughs> yes. Uh, Andy, before we get started, would you like some additional information on Star Wars Revenge of the Sith? I sure would, hell yeah! Star Wars Revenge of the Sith was written by Matthew Stover, based on a story in quotation marks, and screenplay also in quotation marks by George Lucas. It was published on April 2nd, 2005, which I think was prior to the movie coming out. Oh yeah, it
1: came out first.
0: Yeah, it came out first, and I remember actually reading the comic
1: first. I read the comic before I saw the movie.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that I was reading the comic adaptation of Revenge of the Sith. I thought I was I reading another comic. Did you and I have the same moments when they kill Count Dooku?
1: Yeah, I was just like, "Wait, is this the movie?" Like, I <laughs> yep. I, I was so confused. Yep. I was like, "Did I just ruin the movie?" Uh, yep,
0: I was, I was I was reading it like in my friend's basement, and I was like, "Oh, this is a new comic. New comic. I'm sure it ties into the movie." Yada yada yada. Um, uh, did Count Dooku just fucking
1: die? Qui-Gon's noble end on the Phantom (laughs) Menace soundtrack and the novelization and comic for Revenge of the Sith coming out a week before the movie is like crazy. That shit would never happen today. No,
0: no, it fucking would not. They would never do that shit now.
1: Whenever I see people get super mad about spoilers on Twitter uh, uh, concerning Star Wars, I'm just like, guys, like, where were you 20 years ago? Like, Star Wars uh, has been like,
0: come on. I'm just glad. I'm just glad Twitter didn't exist 20 years ago. Yeah. Good lord, the discourse around the prequels was bad enough. Oh, it was brutal. We didn't. We didn't need like Twitter. Because the forums were already bad. Like you can still go back and read some of the old forums and stuff. It was it was nasty. And the fact we didn't have Twitter was probably a good thing in hindsight. I got us off the topic. Matthew Stover,
1: 2005. Matthew Stover,
0: 2005, wrote this book. The unabridged audiobook, which is the one I care about, was released on September 13th, 2005. It is narrated by a gentleman named Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis has read a fuckload of Star Wars books on audio, multiple New Jedi Order books, Shatterpoint, Survivor's Quest, Yoda Dark Rendezvous. I'm just picking random ones off the list. He read Yoda the Yoda entire... Dark
1: Rendezvous is also top tier Legends content. I
0: love that book so much. It, it, it lives. Uh, Darth Bane, the whole trilogy, he read that. And then for canon, she has been reading all the way through. He's had voices in from a certain point of view, all three of them. Put a pen in a certain point of view. We'll come back to that book later on in the episode. Uh, But he also, interestingly, I discovered it's so funny, Andy, that you were uh, willing to come on and discuss this book because uh, Jonathan Davis actually did the audiobook for Lords of the Sith. Oh. And if listeners want to know my opinion of the audiobook of Lords of the Sith, there's an episode of a show called Force Friends Rewatch that they
1: can listen to. It's a good book, and it's a great Force Friends episode. We have a top-tier guest. Uh, I think he's kind of mid, but that's
0: okay. <laughs> so there's some extra information for you on Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Andy, I will guess I'll start out with... What do you think of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, the novel?
1: Okay, I need to say this without sounding pretentious. You're, you're
0: discussing a... me. You're just talking to me. <laughs> and like, I will Fair. be the most pretentious per- sounding person in the room at any given time. <laughs> so I read. trust a, me, you'll be good.
1: I read a lot of books. I read a lot of comic books. I read a lot of graphic novels. I read a lot of regular novels. I love any and all genres i don't care so much about genre as much as i care about like just good books so when i say that like if you only read star wars books you should read more books uh i i hope that doesn't sound pretentious because there's there's just tons of stuff out and I do think as Star Wars fans, we kind of get locked into like, I only read Star Wars comics and I only read Star Wars novels. And like, you're missing out on stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Star Wars and there's a, a metric fuck ton of it. So like, you could just read Star Wars books there's till you so die much, and you'll so never run out. to keep
0: up with. It's yeah. painful to keep up with. As a guy who has to do that, it's painful to keep up with it.
1: And like, I do think Star Wars can like limit authors sometimes like like when you when you find an author you really love from like a star wars book and then you read their other stuff you might be really impressed and like even more impressed and fall more in love with them because they're not writing in the confines of a pre established canon all of that being said this book is not just a great star wars book it is a phenomenal fucking book like like this this book is goddamn shakespeare like this this book fucking rules and it's a movie adapt like like it's a goddamn movie adaptation from 2005 what the fuck was Matthew Stover on that he was like I'm gonna put my whole bussy into this (laughs) and and just like (laughs) write goddamn art it's so good there, there's a line in my favorite movie uh it's called brothers bloom and the, he's talking about a con artist and he, he's like my brother writes cons the way dead novel it or the way dead russians write novels <laughs> and like i just think of matthew stover whenever i hear that line i'm like matthew stover writes star wars the way dead russians write novels like this this shit is just
0: insane I We made the point, because one of the last episodes that that Bradley and I did together uh, was Black Spire, the novel Black Spire by Delilah S. Dawson, and I made the point in Black Spire, all Delilah Dawson had to do in that book was sell people on the theme park. That was her only job in that book, it was released purely for the intent of going, here's all the magical things you can do at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. And she went, what if I wrote a goddamn piece of art about trauma and PTSD, and forgiveness and all of this shit. The same point can be applied to the Revenge of the Sith novel, except it's like a hundred thousand times more, because you read this novel and you're like, did, 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 um, did George Lucas actually write this story? Like, is this a story Lucas isn't a good enough writer. This is like, what if Revenge of the Sith was written by somebody who just popped the fuck off for no reason? Like, I, I, I reread the book to prepare for this podcast because it had been several years since I had read it. I read it in a day. And with adult novels, I never read something in a day. I don't think I've finished like any of the High Republic adult books in one single day and I devour those. This I read in one single day, uh, basically. I'd read like three chapters the night before because it, it's, it's insane. He's not just writing the words that are in the script. Uh, Or even adding a little context, like I know that the Dark Knight novelization, which I've read, that one approaches expanding the story by like adding more context to who the various goons and things are and what's going on in the script. This one, Matthew Stover was like, what if I get clawed my way inside the heads of every single one of these characters and just laid their innermost emotions bare in beautiful poetry? Like,
1: God Damn, this book is so good. The dark is generous. Its first gift is concealment. Our true faces lie in the dark beneath our skins. Our true hearts remain shadowed deeper still. But the greatest concealment lies not in protecting our secret truths, but in hiding from us the truths of others. The dark protects us from what we dare not know. Isn't like, that the what opening the light
0: of the book?
1: I have no idea. I'm just on it's, good reads. It's either the quotes.
0: opening it's either the opening line or it's one of the entry it's crazy because he he has this like running motif about the sun dragon that is crazy and if if You're listening to this podcast and you've never read the Revenge of the Sith novel. If you've only really read canon content and you read Brotherhood and you thought Brotherhood was really good, this was the novel that inspired Mike Chin to write the Brotherhood novel. And dark is
1: generous and it is patient and it always wins, but in the heart of its strength lies its weakness. One lone candle is enough to hold it back. Love is more than a candle. Love can ignite the stars. And that
0: is the end of the book.
1: Like, Jesus! (laughs) (laughs) Where
0: did this come from? Like I remember reading this book because it came out in 2005. I believe I read it very quickly after I saw the movie. I read the comic first, then saw the movie, then read this book. And I've I've read this book probably a hundred times. I literally, as I was flipping through it to read through it, I was noticing like, oh there's like food stains and stuff in here from when I was a teenager. Because I read the book that often, like, the pages are yellowed. Like, it's crazy how many times I've, I've read this book. Because so I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's so good. You know, you know one thing that Matthew Stover does that I've honestly never seen anyone else do? Well. What is that? He writes a banger Palpatine internal monologue. Yeah, he does. He writes I've a banger never seen someone do that. Never in my life have a... And most of the ones I've read Verge from, this is basically okay, to, eh, I'm gonna pretend this didn't happen. When he gets inside Palpatine's head, it's just like,
1: oh. The dark is generous and it is patient. It is the dark that seeds cruelty into justice, that drips contempt into compassion, that poisons love with grains of doubt. The dark can be patient because the slightest drop of rain will cause those seeds to sprout. The rain will come and the seeds will sprout, for the dark is the soil in which they grow, and it is the clouds above them, and it waits behind the stars that gives them light. The dark's patience is infinite. Eventually, even stars burn out like like that's scripture like that's biblical like it's just so good and like it's a movie novelization like that's crazy like movie novelizations are usually not very good, and like there's no, ones-
0: have I've read, uh, even the Star Wars ones I think have been mostly basically low key, and they got some decently heavy hitters. Like R.A. Salvatore wrote the one for Attack of the Clones. I couldn't tell you shit about that book. I've read it, I couldn't tell you anything about it. I can remember specific parts of Revenge of the Sith, even before I picked up and read it. Because this book is, it's, it's not just that he's adding additional context It's just that the way he writes is like poetry. Yes. It's beautiful. He understood that he was writ- writing a mythology, like a mythological tale.
1: That's that's right on the money. Is he he fully understood that like at the time this is the last Star War and that like he was not writing it like a typical movie novelization where you kind of do the plot and you you add a little extra inner dialogue and you add a, a little extra context. He was like, "No, I am like oral traditioning." around the campfire, the legend of fucking Hercules. Like, that is how he approached this book. And it slaps. Like, it would have been so easy for him to miss this shot because it's such a big swing and he leaves it all out there. And it's so goddamn good. The other thing that I, I
0: really appreciated, too, talking about, like, he didn't have to do this, but he did it anyway, is I'm reading through and every time Stover can make a reference to something that happened in the Clone Wars Multimedia Project, he will do it. Mm-hmm. This is a movie adaptation that feels like the finale of the Multimedia Project. From the, the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article, very rarely do I ever confuse those in that direction. Usually it's the other direction. <laughs> Uh, events from other expanded universe publications are also referenced, including the Star Wars Republic comic book series, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, that's the Tartakovsky one, and the novels The Approaching Storm, Shatterpoint, The Cestus Deception, and Yoda Dark Rendezvous. So this man was like, not only am I gonna understand this movie, all of you nerds, who just spent like three years of your lives reading these books and comics, you're gonna read this and be like, Oh, they mentioned Jabim." They mentioned that Anakin hasn't smiled since Jabeem. And as a guy who read Star Wars Republic, I was like, I know what that's about.
1: I know why he was not
0: smiling. I know why he was not smiling.
1: So this is something that I talk about a lot on like Twitter and on Force Rewatch. Um, when Disney decanonized Legend, as much as like part of that, like frustrated me or hurt me a little bit, like I totally got it because that is what Lucas did when he wanted to make his 3d because what people forget and what i have argued with so many like neckbeards on twitter about is that between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith there were novels and comics and video games and uh rpgs and all sorts of shit came out that was all canon and it fully plotted out the whole clone wars from uh, day one Clone War right up to Revenge of the Sith you, and you could follow the timeline in the different books and comics it and you was would one know... of the
0: first times that had even been attempted to that scale like the Clone Wars Multimedia Project is an incredible piece of canon building
1: and you would know which episode of the TV show you were watching fell in where and like it would take time for characters to like travel to locations so they would like be off the board from other people from using them because like well so-and-so's got to get from here to there so you can't can't have them show up in that comic or this chapter of the book, whatever. And it was really fleshed out. And when Lucas decided he wanted to do the 3d show, the first two seasons are out of order chronologically, like episodes just jump around because Lucas was trying to fill in gaps from the established timeline already because he didn't want to decanonize anything. And after two seasons of that, he said, this is annoying. Fuck it. None of that's canon anymore. Only the movies and this show is canon. And as someone who had spent like all of my middle school, like like following along with all of the books and games and 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 shows and 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 comics. When he did that, it broke my little nerd heart. But like it calloused me to when it would happen again years and years later. When I graduated college, I was already like, "Oh yeah, Lucas did that before. That's fine. That makes sense." Yep. We're getting the movies. It's totally worth it. And like it's like listening to myself recount
0: my own experience because I had pretty much the exact same experience because I remember. It was yeah, it was after he had made the first two seasons or he'd been working on them because it was around the time the movie came out that he started saying, no, we're, gonna just, we're just gonna ignore that. We're gonna do whatever we want with it. And I remember that was one of the reasons that I and my horrible toxicness as an 18 year old did not watch the show. I hated the movie and I did not watch the show. And part of the reason was I was so mad that I had gotten it committed to this Clone Wars that I had lived through. If you were there, if you were in the trench, is if you were reading like the novels as they were coming out
1: interest torturing alpha and obi-wan which and, also probably broke
0: my little game which brain gets mentioned they were very naked gets mentioned in this book actually yeah Ventress torturing alpha and obi-wan I, I believe gets mentioned in this book that yeah living through that it's it it was like a formative experience if you were at that age and it really is you know i changed my toxic opinions because you can do that Mm -hmm. you are allowed hey twitter come here you're allowed to change your opinions over time it's fine no one's gonna get mad at you and if they they do they're wrong uh but i've also heard like experiences too and one thing that i look back on i was like what was 18 year old me thinking is we've had guests on the show who are like middle school when the tv show was coming out and that was their clone wars and they had that same experience with the tv show and i was like that's cool but i i did think as i was reading through this this um revenge of the sith novel like it sparked things in my brain like i'm already on a legends kick anyway because two days after recording this episode i will be at legends con but it sparked things in my brain of like oh yeah i really did like the uh The Clone Wars Multimedia Project a lot. Oh, I played the shit out of Republic Commando. I played the shit out of that game. Which still is good, the game. Shame they never wrote any novels to tie into it.
1: Shame that never happened. Um, That never happened. We won't go down that dark trail. We are not going down
0: that road. (laughs) But the way that this book, like... And it even made pains, like, it references Labyrinth of Evil. Labyrinth of Evil came out January 2005 and immediately precedes this book in the chronology. And Stover, like, has scenes. There's a scene where Mace Windu tells Obi-Wan, I'm pretty sure it's Obi-Wan, explicitly, like, we were tracking Sidious. We tracked him to the basement of 500 Republica, uh, which is the apartment building where uh, most of the Republic, uh, like, bigwigs, in legends, live that's a, that's something you see in *Lambert of Evil*, and it was mentioned in this book. It just feels like it's it's tying the movie to the multimedia project while also serving as that finale to the multimedia project. And I'm just like, Stover, you didn't have to do that, but you kind of changed my life when you did that.
1: It, it's truly like not only a love letter to the prequel movies, but it's a love letter to all of the legends material that was happening at the time uh the old eu and it's just it's so respectful it's so beautiful it does such a good job it never feels like it's um like just having references for the sake of extra references it never feels inorganic it always feels really natural and like if you don't pick up on any of that stuff like if you've only seen the movies and you've only seen the Clone Wars cartoon and then you pick up this book you'll be fine. like you might like wonder like why does anyone mention Ahsoka but like other than that you're gonna be fine because she didn't exist yet <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna like be like oh what was Jabim or what was this or, like like you just won't catch any of that but if you were engrossed in it all at the time you you're you're going to pick up on all of these little hints and nods and and references and it's super cool it's it's
0: wild to me I can tell you for a fact that just based on the quality of this novel that when in 20 years or whatever, when they do get to a certain point of, from a certain point of view for *Avengers: of the Sith, one, I want on that book so badly, you have no idea. But two, that from a certain point of view for, for this movie is going to be elevated in part because this novelization is such a foundational piece of Star Wars media that it inspired people who are working on Star Wars right now were inspired by this novel. Like, I cannot possibly oversell how important this novel is because it, it did super raise the bar for Star Wars publishing after it came out. And it's also so bizarre to me to listen to Magic the Gathering fans complain about, what is it, Test of Metal, that Stover also wrote? Because they like to pretend that novel didn't happen and I'm like, no, come over and play with us in Star Wars land where he's writing the best Star Wars book of all time. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's so good.
1: When Whenever, there there is a mentality amongst newer fans, fans who became, fans uh post post disney to kind of point at the old EU and laugh at it and don't get me wrong there's some silly stuff and don't get me wrong I also
0: frequently point and laugh at it
1: there there are old EU fans who are clowns they're they're fucking clowns and they deserve to be laughed but something that I like to tell them is like hey Just because something isn't canon anymore doesn't mean it's not worth still reading and like enjoying and like art is art. This also sounds pretentious. I hate the word content like art art is art calling it content devalues the art in my opinion and like it this is no less a great book because it's no longer canon and if you read labyrinth of evil revenge of the sith and then kenobi you kind of get your own little trilogy like unofficial trilogy of three novels that are like tell this beautiful tale of the end of the prequel era and god it's such a good reading experience and like it those three books like were not intended to be read together but they're phenomenal and they're no less phenomenal just because they're not canon anymore and like what even is canon because if the people who are making star wars now are influenced by this book and they're taking inspiration from it in the books they are writing well then that is canon like that. Canon also is what still affects the current media. Like that, also, that means they're canon. As a guy
0: who like his whole thing is like knowing as much about Star Wars as possible, uh, which is, you know, my my cross to bear, uh, that I have taken it upon myself to be that guy for everyone around me. <sighs> current canon doesn't even line up. So who the fuck yeah. cares? If if something is really good and there's quite a bit of legends like and I I I, you know, there's qualifiers to this, but I'll say most of Legends is baseline fine. There's some stuff that's really good. There's some stuff that's really bad. But there are certainly novels in that that I can point to, either because they're very good books, uh, like Revenge of the Sith, or there's some that I can point to and I'm like, those are still worth reading just because they're interesting. Like the choices that were made in them were interesting choices that inform where things are going or go with the Disney era.
1: My spiciest take, my hottest spiciest take is that the, the original Thrawn trilogy is not as good as people remember it. Timothy Zahn didn't know how to write women at the time. Uh, He, he, he only learned that with the first new Thrawn novel where he wrote Governor Price really well. Um, But like his Leia is so out of character, it, it is so not Leia. His Mon Mothma is so out of character. It's so not Mon Moth.
0: Oh, uh, I'm of... I'm dreading going back to those because mm, we all we all know that I am one of the bigger Mon Mothma fans on the internet. Good, did <laughs> um, uh, It's it, it's in the trenches. The fact that I certain projects that are struck work are not projects that I'm discussing anywhere, including on this podcast. Sure. Uh, however my DMs are a minefield right now. I'm just um, going to say that. Uh, but you were that saying that being said yeah so so,
1: so z- the the original Thrawn trilogy is is bizarre like luke is also all of the characters are are just kind of weird uh however uh zahn had some like really interesting and compelling ideas uh and he has some original characters who are awesome uh jade does not become awesome until other writers get their hands on her i'm sorry zahn i know she's your baby but that being said Going back and reading those books now, incredibly fascinating because they're a time capsule. They're a time capsule to, like, Star Wars was kind of dead at the time. It's super interesting because, like, the internet didn't really exist in the way that it does now. Um, no one knew what the Clone Wars were. So, like, Luke is running around and Jeru uh, Sabiath and shit. Like, it's just, like, bonkers stuff of this author just like going off the rails with his OCs and his his own ideas about what different stuff in the OT meant. And it's a really fun read. It's super compelling. I understand its importance to fandom at the time it was written, and I fully respect that it maybe doesn't hold up well in like a modern context other than being this fascinating time capsule to like totally different era of star Wars fan. So like, yeah, there's stuff in legends like that where it's interesting, but for different reasons than like intended and like, maybe it holds up on its own as art. Maybe it doesn't, but the Revenge of the Sith novel holds up. It's, it's fucking art. St- it
0: still does. Yeah. I have my own too. Like I have certain books that I'm like, Either this didn't age well, Hello Courtship of Princess Leia, I don't know what's going on with that. But then there's some that didn't age well in like a funny way, like Death Troopers. I fucking love bringing up Death Troopers. I don't really like the book anymore. I remember when that
1: cover was everywhere. It was on T-shirts. It was on oh, signs. Yeah. yeah. Oh
0: yeah, because this they was were real proud of that. This is 2008 or so. 2008, 2009. This was the height of like zombie craze. Yeah, when zombie everything shit was, was everywhere. Was everything, which fortunately for me, i I had gotten really into the Living Dead movies or the just the Dead movie it's, mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and I also had discovered World War Z, so I was like, hell yeah, I'm all about putting zombies in Star Wars. And now I'm I'm looking back and I'm like, oh, they were out of ideas. They had no idea what to do when they put zombies in Star Wars. Uh, but Revenge of the Sith, the only place that I felt Revenge of the Sith doesn't really hold up is the way it handles Padme. And I'm not gonna bash Stover too much for that. He is working off of George Lucas's terrible story. And I didn't necessarily fully trust him to be able to give this character a stupid amount of depth she's fine my problem is she's she's mainly defined in this book by her relationship to anakin and it keeps coming back to that relationship with anakin like even when it gets in her head
1: that's the move
0: bringing up and it's it's kind of the movie and it's kind of the men just didn't even try to write women at that point like it's it's the only stuff in there is that makes me kind of go, eh, I don't like this as much as the rest of the book, but he's he's doing okay with the material that he's given, and other women such as they show up in this book, because there's not a lot of them, because uh, there's only one woman with a speaking role in the entire fucking movie, uh, when they do show up, they're they're pretty good. Mon Mothma has some good scenes in this. Like, I really like how this book portrays. Her and Bale are clearly doing something. She has a conversation with Bale, which I thought was really interesting, where Mon is the one pushing for like them to do something. She's the one being like, we need to do something. And Bale's trying to be really cautious of, well, I don't know if we, <laughs> she's like, no do not clearly see the constitutional amendment happening in front of you there is something that needs to be done and it's just so interesting in comparison to like how fandom thinks about her nowadays Mm -hmm. like she has a small role which is very interesting shock t has like one scene that's pretty interesting uh when anakin leaves the temple to go to the chancellor's office um while the jedi are arresting palpatine uh So all that's at least decently in there, but that was my only real issue with the book was the Padme stuff. I think didn't hold up as well
1: yeah, as the rest of it does. And like, there's, there's no spoilers to be had here. Like one, the this book is, an is adaptation 18 of the years movie. old <laughs> and two, it, it is an adaptation of a movie. So like you've seen, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen Revenge of the Sith, you know, what normally,
0: happens. normally I would step in and be like, uh, well, I, I do want to say that I want to make these episodes listenable to anybody who hasn't necessarily read the book, who is thinking about reading the book, blah, 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 blah. But this is Revenge of the Sith. You get yeah, you, you, in revenge of the Sith.
1: You you know the beats. Uh that beat You know said, what happens in this story. Nothing either of us could say could prepare you for how Matthew Stover is going to grab your face and stick his hand down your throat and grab your beating heart yank it out slap you in the face with it and then shove it up your ass like that is what this book will do to you it is that good it's do you know what else it is you know what else i was shocked by when i reread it what were you shocked by
0: this book is kind of gay and not in the sense of like and not in the sense of like you can insert a homosexual reading or a queer reading into the text. Like it comes about as close to the line of saying, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a homosexual as you could reasonably get prior to the Disney acquisition. And I know he's like queer-ish now, it's kind of nebulous. But if you read this book, there's parts, like there's one part where
1: somebody- He recognizes Anakin by his ass. Yeah, he recognizes
0: Anakin's ass. There's a scene where uh, somebody, I think it's Palpatine, tells Anakin like, oh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was seen leaving a senator's residence at an ungodly hour of the morning, and Anakin's first reaction is well who is this senator let's go question him and it's supposed to be a twist in the context of the story that it's a her because it's padme
1: yeah
0: uh, but the fact that Anakin's first thought was oh obi-wan sneaking out of somebody's house in the morning must be a guy and then the fucking scene where padme's li- literally padme to obi-wan's back is like you love him too don't you and he doesn't say a word and i'm like this also, book, right up on the line of being like oh. Cody
1: flirts with him.
0: Cody does flirt with him. Yeah, yeah. like it. It
1: is. It is not like witty like soldiers in the trenches banter. Other than when witty soldiers in the trenches banter is also gay. Like it is. It is. It is gay flirty banter. Um, oh my
0: god. The 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 this book is about as close as you can get. In 2005, to just coming out and saying that one of these characters is gay, unless Which, you're
1: Jude Watson,
0: unless you're unless you're Jude Watson, who found that line and literally like made sure that the toe was on the line.
1: Like he's my partner.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was going through uh because I was I was preparing a, a slideshow for a panel this weekend. And I was going through and reading quotes because I've never actually read those books all the way through. I read sporadic books of the Jude Watson books because there was just so many of them.
1: Yeah, she was pulling uh, them. Back. And
0: I had kind of aged out of them by the time they hit The Last of the Jedi, but I'm reading some of these quotes and going. Hmm. And I'm also kind of mad because I spent my years having a crush on very heterosexual ben skywalker when ferris Olin was right there right there i like, had his
1: miniature and everything
0: right there and like my type is morally questionable men with white hair my phone lock screen is fenris i would have i would have been down so bad for this man you it should would, cosplay him i really should at some you point would,
1: you would make a great uh last of the jedi ferris Olin. Or you know what I you know what? I should I'm gonna put that on my Halloween costume
0: list or, or at mm. some point. I don't do a lot of cosplay, but I really and should No do one will know
1: who you are, but all of the other <laughs> millennial gays who grew up reading those books. But
0: anyone who I did it's one of those anyone who identifies who I am thing is immediately cool. Is immediately your best friend. Yeah, is immediately sure. my best friend. Uh the the sort of thought that I had that I wanted to to throw out before I lead into the final thoughts, which I'm gonna ask in a particular way, it, listeners, come here, we need We need to have a little, little conversation. I need to deliver a warning. I need to deliver a personal warning to you. Do not, listen to me, I'm dead serious here, do not read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and then two days later, pick up from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. And do not then read the short story Brotherhood by Mike Chen, not to be confused with the novel Brotherhood by Mike Chen. Because if you are like me, you will burst into tears. You will genuinely start crying. Who lines into Brotherhood, the short story by Mike Chen? I ball. The short story in Return of the Jedi basically is an epilogue to the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Like, he put some references to the Revenge of the Sith novelization and the novel Brotherhood. The short story just is a reference. It is a giant reference. One of the quotes that Andy read earlier is mentioned in those first two lines. And the minute I read those, I was like. Oh, we're, we're in for it. Now, I had to stop reading multiple times. I had to put the book down and walk away multiple times. Love it. Because I couldn't see through my tears. I had to walk into my boyfriend's room and be like, I need you to take note of the tears running down my face. Because later, I will ask you to confirm that this these two books, Revenge of the Sith, the novelization, followed immediately by the from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi, made me cry over Anakin fucking Skywalker. That's how good these things are. That is that is my warning, but also kind of recommendation for everyone. Go feel my pain. Andy. That's me. Uh, for, for the final thought that I have, I, I want to frame it a certain way. I want to
1: ask, why should people read this book? Boy, howdy. Like, I... I have hyped this book up a lot in the past 40 minutes. I've said a lot of grandiose statements about how good it is. There's really nothing I can say that could prepare you to read it for the first time if you've never done that. What I will say is that I... I'm extremely jealous of anyone listening to this podcast who has not read this book yet, because that means you get to read it for the first time and have your heart broken and your your brain explode. And it's falling in love with the prequels over again. And, you know, I was eight years old when Phantom Menace came out. I was like, I don't know, like 14 or something. 13 when Revenge of the Sith came out. Like I was the right age for this. We're movies. the same age. Yeah. And like god it It was such an incredible experience growing up with the prequels. And if you haven't read this book, you will feel like that kid again. You will fall in love with these characters and that story again, because that's how good it is. And if you've never loved the prequels, maybe you were too old when they came out or you were too young and you've seen them and you've liked them, but you've never gotten to experience them as like a fucking 11 year old. Read this goddamn book. Because you will be 11 years old in 1999 for the first time. Like, it, it will just transport you back to a, an age and a time where this was all new and exciting and, and beautiful. And this book slaps. Like, it, it's, it's really goddamn good. I'm... I'm Obi-Kin trash, so, like, there's there's little hints and nods, uh, as previously mentioned, but, like, I'd love it even if it wasn't, like, slightly alluding to an inappropriate sexual relationship between a Jedi Master and his former apprentice. Like, it's just it's just that damn good. So, pick it up, read it, listen to it on Audible. You'll thank me. You'll find me. You'll find me out of one hat town, and you'll say, I listened to you on Gold Squadron Gaze, and I took your advice, and I read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and you're right, it's wow, goddamn Shakespeare. That's and, how you
0: That's how you do a plug. And wow. you'll know. You'll me. know.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll know that you listened. I'll know that you listened to my advice and you'll thank me. You'll fucking uh, thank me and you'll ask for more and I'll say there is no more. Reread it i there's nothing
0: i could say that's that covers anything that hasn't already been covered not only i think people should read this book if they're star wars fans and they want a, a capsule of what the star wars media what the publishing what the comics all of that was like in 2005.
1: animation
0: uh, animation all of that because there's references to Lucas the genie tartakovsky series yep that if you if you want that time capsule it's worth reading if you love the movie it's worth reading if it, it's worth reading really at the end of the day for me, because this book was so good that reading it as a 14 year old changed my life and reading it as a 32 year old made me feel that same level of emotion. Like, I will not hype up another book on this podcast to the degree that I will hype up Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith. Please read this book. It's, it's unbelievable what he does with this material. It's, we cannot explain it to you. You have to experience it.
1: Every time I've been in a room with uber Star Wars fans, And we've started talking about our favorite Star Wars books. I love to do a thing where I'll ask people like, what's your favorite Star Wars book? And I'll wait to go last. And when it gets to me and I'll say Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novelization, every single time everyone throws up their hands and goes, oh, goddamn, you're right. I forgot about that one. It is the best Star Wars because it is. It is the best Star Wars. Like Star Wars, we did it. We've already hit it. We've got the best book. It came out in 2005. If you haven't read it, go read it. (laughs)
0: Uh, well, Andy, thank you so much for uh, coming on to talk to me about Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover. Where can the people find you?
1: Sure. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm at a One Hat Town on everything. Um, I do cosplay Anakin uh, on my Instagram. Every time I post a picture, you mentioned I this book.
0: You mentioned last time that you didn't that you were on that you didn't mention that you'd cosplayed both Gold Leaders. yes yes. dutch vander and anakin skywalker now sadly i do have to inform you there was a third gold leader lando it's lando however you have cosplayed two of them
1: i have cosplayed two of the three gold leaders lando is is by far the most fashionable and coolest gold leader not not in the cards for me uh to to cosplay lando yeah uh I, i i do cosplay uh i also have like sexy pictures on there so if that's not your thing maybe don't check it out but if that is your thing uh go check it out uh, i'm on twitter i'm on tumblr you can follow me all there i, I post all my podcasts and shit so you'll if you want to hear me play tabletop rpgs or talk about star wars or talk about other tv shows uh you'll see links to all that shit there so
0: awesome well thank you once again for coming and i'm sure bradley who is going to be editing these episodes is going to uh, both go and read this fucking book, Bradley. Go read it, Bradley. Go read it, motherfucker. And then also run our socials.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bradley. And thank you for having me back on my favorite Star Wars podcast. Uh, it's it's always a delight to, to get to come on here and talk with you guys. So thanks for me. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze.